Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Holland Tide. Did you know what it was before you spoke to the people? I did a little bit, yeah. It's quite an important day still in the farming calendar. Lots of farms still do vacate the property with their livestock for that day and maybe not changing of the staff or the servants quite like it used to, but it's still an important day. Yeah, and I caught up with uh, Michael Taggart and Bush Karush, um, who are... Well, still involved in agriculture today with their employments and uh, uh, involved in the Young Farmers Clubs for many, many years and all the activities, plus uh, fitting in the concerts as well, as well as their agricultural work. They're still uh, helping out with Young Farmers and other charities as well by auctioneering at uh, various melias around the Isle of Man. And I find out, uh, well, I try to find out the secret of their success by raising all that money that they have uh, year after year. They do. They bring the house down at some of these events their their character and their humor as well they're really enjoyable nights and you know lots of people do come out when they hear that they're auctioneering Mm, it is indeed and also uh, the isle of man's uh, ability well the agricultural world the farmers uh, side of it to off grazing their animals uh, has been recognized hasn't it that's right, the Isle of Man Creamery and Defer have teamed together with the Isle of Man Dairy Farmers to bring in a, a grass-fed accreditation scheme to basically prove that uh, our cows are out to grass at nearly 214 days of the year, which is a massive achievement considering how wet and miserable our winters are as well. To say that our, our milk and dairy products are, are second to none, really. Yes, we'll be hearing how that compares uh, with other places uh, during the programme today. So... Here's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. On last week's programme, we heard from Tim Sayers, the marketing manager at the Isle of Man Creamery, to talk about the dairy industry and exports of Manx products. This week, I went along to the launch of the grass-fed accreditation scheme at the Noah Bakehouse and caught up with the people involved in making it happen. Finley, it's been a very successful evening here at Noah Bakehouse on the launch of the grass-fed accreditation scheme. What does it mean to the Isle of Man Creamery? What it really means to us, Gary, is that we've got a very, very strong selling story from the Isle of Man, which means that we've got the most robustly audited scheme in the, in the British Isles for the grass content of the cow's diet on the Isle of Man. And that's really a testament to the, the skill and care of the, the dairy farmers on the Isle of Man, who managed to get as much grass as possible into the the cow's diet. A lot of people think that, uh, well, that's what cows eat, but actually in modern dairy farming, there are some cows in the world that uh, eat very, very little, if any, grass. And there's some areas of the world, in Europe and in the States, where cows are actually kept indoors. That's a very intense, almost like factory farming. We're almost at the opposite end of the spectrum on the Isle of Man. And this scheme very much reflects that. In the UK, there is another grass-fed dairy scheme, and it promises, or their farmers promise, to keep their cows out on pasture at 180 days a year. The Isle of Man farmers, through, and this is data that's come from very, very robust auditing and data gathering, we have our cows out for a minimum of 200, but actually we're averaging 214 days a year out to pasture. And the benefit of that is that the cow's stomach is pH neutral, so grass and clover are the most natural things that a cow can eat. And that translates into a better quality of milk, which is higher in things like omega-3, lower in omega-6, higher in vitamin A, 
vitamin E. So you've got a much more nutritional product as, as a base for all of our products, whether it's liquid milk or cheese or, or butter. This is not only an assurance of the welfare of the cows, but also it's insurance to your customers that this is the best product possible. Very much so, and that uh, goes for customers in the, in the, the USA where you see a lot of cheeses now with a grass-fed or pasture-fed accreditation. And the great thing is now that we've got a government-backed and endorsed scheme, which is audited by SEI Global, which is the, the leading food and agricultural auditors. And it's actually of a higher standard than anything else in, in the British Isles. So we've got a very strong story uh, when we're selling our cheese in America. But more close to home, we've got a very, very strong story which would really say to people the farming on the Isle of Man is a far more natural process. It's better for the cows, it's better for the milk and you're going to get a far better product. And if you tie that in with the, the low food miles, none of our milk travels more than 15 miles from farm to creamery. You've got a very, very strong story and uh, it, indeed you've got a, a every reason not to ever even consider buying an imported product. But not only that, it's the only biosphere business as well here on the island. It is. We're very honoured to have that, uh, that conferred on us by DEFA, part of the Isle of Man government. And when we have explained what the biosphere is and the fact that the Isle of Man is the only entire country in the world to some customers in, in, the, in the States, they have really bought into, uh, into that and see real value in that. All we are trying to do is get a tiny fraction of the, of the market in America and it's the people who are interested in the, the provenance and the story behind their food and those customers really appreciate the story of, of the biosphere and this accreditation for a grass-fed milk really strengthens that, uh, that case for us. It really does, but it's just showing that it's such a massive achievement for the farmers and their families here on the Isle of Man. The co-op, it, it just demonstrates it's working well together. I think we do, and I think there's a real mutual dependence. There wouldn't be a creamery without the farmers, and uh, the, the farmers wouldn't have a, a decent return for all their hard work if the creamery didn't sell and market its produce as best as we possibly can. Chris Neal, you've been in charge of doing the standards for the accreditation for the grass-fed. How difficult has it been to try and put together the right questions to get the feedback from the farmers for this scheme? Well, we didn't want to make it too complicated. We just wanted to collect simple data, keep it as easy as it is possible. It's been really good all through the whole process, really. The farmers have really been engaged. It's been dead good to get the, the information fed back. And uh, everybody, you know, right throughout the industry is fully on board to making this scheme work and, and making sure that the data is there for it. What kind of questions did they have to answer to, to get the, the right figures for it? So we take the number of cows that are being milked, the milk in there that they produce that month, we look at the carving pattern and uh, we also look at the size of the cow to determine their average dry matter intake and then we work backwards effectively by basically deducting off the amount of milk that's produced from the concentrate that they fed and we arrive at the grass what we're reasonably confident at them being uh, milk that they produce from, from forage and from grass. That is a big undertaking. There's 32 farmers. That's, that's an awful lot of information you've had to condense down to get the, get the result. 
Yeah, yeah, the spreadsheet's enormous. <laughs> <laughs> but once I've got it all working, it was dead easy. You know, it's just power of uh, Excel spreadsheets is, is phenomenal, really. <laughs> but it's basic information. It's the information that these farmers know every day of their work in, in, in the industry of dairy. You know, they're so close to their cows. They know exactly who's who and what's what. Isn't that the and really nice thing that the Isle of Man can be proud of as well? Yeah, we're not asking them to do anything different. We're just asking them to give us a bit of data about what they're doing today. Those cows are in the fields, you know, as much as they possibly can. You know, the milk that they produce is some of the best that you'll that you'll drink because of that. Is there any more information that you can harness to, to make this even better? Because we're obviously at the top end of the scale. 214 days to see our cows out of grass is a pretty big achievement as it is. There is room for improvement. I think, you know, what what's good about that is the fact that it'll probably or it could potentially lead to farmers making more money from harvesting more forage and more grass and reducing the reliance on concentrates so I think as time goes on you know there definitely is interest out there and I think that'll grow I think there'll be more farmers will be asking the question how can we get more out of our grass I guess also with the import cost of feed onto the island that will automatically push farmers down the more grass-fed route anyway yeah it probably will I say concentrates are what, three times, four times as much expensive as grass. You know, so it's a no-brainer really to try and get as much grass into those cows as we possibly can. And obviously it, having the co-op, the creamery, all working together, it seems to be, going forward, it seems to be being successful. Yeah, they're a, they're a really good bunch of people to work for. <laughs> just right throughout the whole organisation, they just seem really good and positive and go forward. It's the positivity that drives a good business, I suppose. Yeah, that and a good milk price. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part. <laughs> no, but it's obviously, it's got to be monitored and the accreditation has to be adhered by we have good governing bodies to, to look after it yeah SII Global are on board with it now so they'll be um, monitoring the information that the farmers provide you know DEFRA will DEFRA go through the figures that I crunch so it's you know, right throughout everybody's been checked and cross-checked so that makes sure that well, what we're saying is is accurate so are you on farm every day then not every day but uh, we're in contact with the farmers every month we lift the data off them and uh, we keep the spreadsheets up to date and we feed that back to the creamery and then uh, every six months we're around visiting them on farm to see how they're going, how they're getting on, can we help them anymore, you know, is there anything that we can do for them. But it's, it's essential now, the customer wants to know where their food comes from, wants to know all the details, the food miles and this is really the assurance they need. Definitely, there's nothing better and more healthier and more natural than the cows eating grass and uh, you know Tonight we've seen that we've got some of the best standards of uh, milk from forage, milk from grass in the world really. You'll not find any, you know, New Zealand is renowned for producing milk from grass, but even they're at a pretty similar standard to us. That was Finlay McLeod, Managing Director of Isle of Man Creamery, and Chris Neal, Rural Business Consultant. Fabulous, uh, the Isle of Man has kicked uh, some of the opposition into touch, you can say there, can't you? They've done a really great job in bringing this to the forefront and there's a lot of work on, on behind the scenes with the farmers recording all the data and uh, they've really come together to produce this accreditation scheme and all being well, long term, it will benefit the farmers. Yeah, and that's one of the, the reasons for, for sort of getting it going, isn't it? But it's the concern uh, around about that, you know, it's nothing will change, it'll just be something that might help just market it. Well, this is it, but marketing is key nowadays, I think. And with such global imports coming in, it's a good selling point to show that our 
dairy industry here on the Isle of Man is of a top-notch standard and like you see down the lanes that cows are out of grass most of the year round and this just proves that it's that assurance that customers need. Yeah and the public like that sort of thing in it that they've gone away in recent times you know from from battery hen you know or, or eggs like that and into the free range eggs which we've got some very good uh, places on the Isle of Man and it's a similar scenario with that isn't it with the grass. That's right. People want to know where their food comes from. And, and obviously health is, is paramount now in families. And this is a really great way to monitor it in the dairy industry. Well, two people who were well known in the young farmers world for many years and now are still involved in agriculture and also helping out with the Young Farmers Federation, particularly at the Melias that are held to raise money for charities. I caught up with Michael Taggart and Bush Karush to find out the secret of their auctioneering skills. I think I got involved in the Eastern one night when the auctioneer couldn't turn up. I think it was Monty Far- late Monty Farger couldn't turn up and because I was always the loudest one I think they said you have a go at auctioneering then I'd never done it before and I don't know it just happened yeah and it was a similar one for you Michael wasn't it yeah it was it was very similar Keith Carouche couldn't make it the club decided we'd have a go at it ourselves and we've had a few nights of uh, practice at this Melurin Lark <laughs> yeah it's been a while now because of course you'd be both in the young farmers when you started doing it wouldn't you oh yeah I think I joined in 89 when I was just 18 or something just a young fella. Yeah, and stuck it till the end. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and and past the end. Yeah, still helping them out today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it is a satisfying thing, isn't it? Because they've always been, particularly the young farmers ones, they've been well supported over the years. And it's a great thing. Well, I've done it myself. And when you're standing on a couple of beer crates or whatever they give you, and you can see just that packed room and everyone generously given, it's a nice feeling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a lot of money passed uh, to other charities. With the young farmers, they ra- they raise the money for other charities. They don't keep it themselves. Yeah, and did, did you ever get any ones where you think, oh, why am I bothering? Or is it just you sort of make it and it, it's that's what it is? You make it what it is? No, it's usually, um, okay, sometimes it's a bit poorly supported to start with, but once people get in and get a few beers on board, you know, it soon starts flowing. What's the oddest things you've had to sell, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I think the hardest things we come to sell is you'll go to a charity and they give you these children's CDs that they can put in computers and all, and I'm not into that sort of thing. And you get handed it. You don't know the real value of it. Give me a Bonnig. I know the, the the true value of a Bonnig or a Steam Packet voucher. I know the true values of those. But some of these CDs and toys and games, I've just no clue because I don't do that sort of thing. You're not going to Xbox or PlayStation yourself? No, no. no, no. Try and avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> Too technical. And is that one of the secrets, Bruce, getting an idea over the years of how much each thing is worth and you can sort of get it going quicker and push it up because you know it's worth that £10 more? Yeah, some people really want somebody to come up to you to start with and say, I really want that radio, really want that radio. And, and you know then you've got somebody not to focus on, but you know you don't need two people to have an auction like, don't you? Mm. If anyone's never been to one... This is the beauty of them, isn't it? Because it's not just you go there and, okay, I'm going to give £2 for some spuds and I might get a few cabbages and carrots. It's just about the whole atmosphere of the thing, isn't it? And yeah. people, people get carried away, don't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and when you got the whole room, you know, it's a real buzz, like you said before, you mm. stood up on a couple of, well, up on a chair or something, and you're looking across, the whole, 
and they're focusing on you and waiting for the next move and you're, you're looking for the next bid. Some buzz, it's a real good a real good buzz it is. And you always get the battle where somebody wants uh, the last Bonnig or the, yeah. the cream scones who are made by somebody in particular, isn't two, it? Two apples was the biggest one I ever had. Two really? fellas, two cooking apples and the two fellas took a bid and war and they made £42. <laughs> really? For a couple <laughs> two, of apples? Two, two cooking apples, £42. No, Mad. no gold rings hidden inside no, them that nobody no. knew about. Yeah, but it's just one fella's trying to outbid the other fella. That's part of it. I quite like it when a, a husband and wife or a partner start bidding against one another and I try and ask them who's wearing the trousers in the house tonight and see who's going to write the cheque to buy the thing. It's quite good fun. Yeah. Well, when you know enough young farmers, you usually know who's wearing the trousers and that. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you still involved with them with the Melius and things I mean how has it changed over your years since you joined them when you were 18 I think it's there's, there's less farming people now involved in young farmers because that's the slogan isn't it? you don't have to be a farmer to be in young farms which I was not from a farm family but still the enthusiasm is still there you know everyone thinks it's just a young farmers concert but it's the whole year through is full of great events you know character building events and Public speaking is one of my favourites because anyone who remembers me at school, I was just so shy at school, would never be seen on stage or anything now. Well, really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was shocking at school. Yeah. Looked down at my feet all the time, and now look at me. <laughs> Radio star with Taggart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Michael, as well, you, you were involved a long time. Well, I haven't really. I only got into the Young Farmers at 24. And I joined to do the tug of war with uh, what was called the Likely Lads. Uh, there was Stevie Ratcliffe, the Ra- well, the Ratcliffe boys, and and uh, eight or others. Andrew Clegg was our coach, and that's how I got into Young Farmers. And then I got doing a bit of public speaking and stuff. And I remember the first night I do- got up to do public speaking, I was so nervous, my hands were sweating, and I managed to do eighteen seconds. And the judge uh, said, "We'll try and get it a little bit longer next time." <laughs> and <laughs> And now, I always remember my maths teacher came up, Brian Corlett from Kurt Michael, and he said, you are the last person I ever expected to see standing on the stage introducing the Young Farmers concert. Really? Yeah. And how many Melias have you both done this year? Well, I've got the got the list here in front of me, one, two, three, about 12 between the two of us. Really? And it amazes me, the generosity of the other man, because there's not a lot of money about us, really, but between the two of us this year, we've raised over £20,000 for various Really? Charities. 20,000 plus yeah. and um, also all the companies donating lots of stuff yeah. isn't there because yeah. you know without the you know the vouchers and the and the spuds and the veg and what have you because it's all you know it's all off a of farmer's profit like yeah. and I know one fella up north he's getting asked every week for stuff for Melias but you know to raise over 20,000 at 12 Melias you know it's fantastic really and all going to local charity as well very little of it goes off the island so Benefiting everybody, really. And the pubs are benefiting too, aren't they? I always say at the end of Amelia, we've got the easy job of selling the produce. It's the people who go around asking for the produce, the people who give the produce and the goods for us to sell. We've we've got the easy job of selling. It, it's, it's the people that have donated the produce, given the produce, and the people who buy the produce, you know, they're the ones that make the night. We're mm. only there. We're only the comedians. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to be. <laughs> we must be doing a good enough job to raise over 20,000 well, yeah, pounds. Well, you know, if we, had a, if we had a bit of commission on it, we'd be doing right. Oh, we'd be all right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let, me, 
Well, I can tell you this, you won't be getting paid for today. <laughs> oh, all oh, right, okay then. <laughs> well, still involved in agriculture through their work, helping the young farmers and helping a lot of charities here on the Isle of Man as auctioneers at uh, the Melius, Michael Taggart and Bush Karush. <laughs> Great to get the two of them together, Kerry. You know them well as well. Yes, we could make weeks worth of programmes with them pair once they're together. Real colourful characters and well known in the agricultural community. Yeah, and it's great that they still, they've been involved in it for many years, enjoyed their time in the Young Farmers, taking part in all the events um, as well as the concert and trying to fit in their agricultural uh, chores as well. So it just shows you, you know, how much dedication uh, there was back then, whether there's quite as much in this day and age, I'm not sure, but uh, certainly great to get the crowds going at these uh, events and uh, you know, raising a fabulous amounts of money for charity so well done to them Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual It's that time of year where the farmers used to renew their staff, renew leases on the farms uh, Do you remember what it was called, Kerry? Oh, the Hollandtide Day. Mm. Well, a very important day in the calendar back then, and it still is to this day as well, really. Yeah, and you caught up with some people who uh, know quite a bit about it. Uh, there was a special event on. That's right. I popped along to Santon to the traditional event they have every year, the Old Hollandtide Day, and I caught up with Donald Gellin and some people that were in attendance. Donald, it's been a busy day here at Santon for the Hollandtide Fair. It's an annual event that you keep going. We try to. It's something, of course, that's a country thing and it's a tradition that we try to keep running. Sometimes it doesn't uh, happen like we didn't have one last year. And we missed it badly because it's a coming together at Holland Tide. And, uh, you know, it has such traditional backgrounds of years ago. And uh, just remembering it and remembering it's a Manx thing. Things in many people's eyes have improved. Some would say security of tenure was a good thing, but in many ways it probably hasn't been because it restricted what tenants uh, could do. But then if they did get a tenancy, the owner had a problem. But uh, when you think of those years ago when a tenant would uh, have his uh, tenancy coming up to an end, it was very traumatic, it was worrying, because he wouldn't have anywhere to put his cattle, he wouldn't have anywhere to work until he got a new owner who would uh, give him a tendency. It had ramifications for everybody in the family because if you could just imagine, the farmer was worried where the stock would be, but then his wife would be worried as to what house she might be in come Christmas. <laughs> the children could very well be moving to an entirely new school. So it was a very worrying time, but I suppose in many ways the adrenaline would be running because it would be so exciting, because it would be something new, but it certainly wasn't easy for them. When you think of herding in them days, herding maybe 50, 60 cattle or cows from one part of the island to another to start a new tenancy, not knowing how the cows would fancy going into the stalls, you know, it was something that... <laughs> Uh, I suppose many people did worry about, but uh, we like to think that the fair, which of course we're on the eve of the fair, as 12th is the Hollandtide, and uh, labourers, labourers didn't know whether they had a job coming because the tenant who they had worked for could very well be moving to an entirely different part of the Isle of Man. They might not want to move there. No. And of course they would then have to try and 
get in with the new tenant at the farm that they've been working at. It caused a problem for everybody, really, but we got through it just the same as uh, we always seem to. Were tenancies annual leases or were they a lot longer than that? No, they went usually about 10 years, you know, to give a, a fair chance for the tenant to be able to work the farm. And, of course, rotation was the thing they used in those days, and you had to rotate, and the owner of the farm would insist that you rotated all the fields in such a way as that when you were then releasing the tenancy, that the farm would basically be back in the same shape, hopefully, <laughs> as, as when the tenant came in. The lay fields would be lay and the potato fields would be ploughed ready and that type of thing. So I suppose it would be possible if you had a difficulty as an owner to get a tenant that you might reduce it to maybe five years, but that was never, ever really the thing to do. It was a 10-year rolling programme. Who would be owning the land? Because obviously land would have been expensive as it is today, probably then. Well, of course, in them days, landowners were very much uh, the gentry of the Isle of Man. You found an awful lot of uh, owners, believe it or not, were in Athel Street. Uh, so uh, you can imagine uh, they were legal people. Uh, the church, in fact, you see, was a big, big landowner in them days. But you'd find these people would have more than probably one farm and they would be juggling their tenancies. And if they wished to keep a tenant on, but move them on from perhaps one farm that they had, they could very well persuade that tenant to move to another of their farms in another part of the island. Say, for argument's sake, the previous tenant went out and didn't leave the farm in as good a condition, he would be eager to get somebody in that he knew would really rotate it and farm it well. But it's still the case now, Donald, there's a lot of landlords and tenants. Do you ever see the farmer being able to afford the farms themselves? Uh, the answer to that would have to be no. The expense of, uh, when I look now today, of tractors and the price and combines, you know what I mean? The only way that a farmer can now actually combine or have any of that work done is for a, a contractor. There's no other way. He just could not afford to have, just think of having, having a combine tied up with the amount of money for, you might as well say, 11 months of the year. You just couldn't have an investment where you could do that. So um, it is a shame because there's a lot of young farmers who will never get the opportunity to be farmers uh, for that very reason that uh, even to go along and borrow the money, you can imagine you just couldn't afford it. You couldn't pay the bank back for the amount that you borrowed to actually set up. Is it the same here farming in the Isle of Man as it would be in the UK? I'm pretty sure it is. I suppose we lag a little bit behind because of our traditional ways and we like to think we're unique and we're different. But nevertheless, the farmer's still got to make money. If he doesn't make any profit at all, he won't exist. I read just recently in Harvey Briggs's book, Going Back to Hollandide, Donald, that he was a fortnight before the, the date was coming and he still had nowhere to live and no work aspect coming forward. That must have been a daunting time. Well, you can just imagine, just not having somewhere to live would be bad enough, but not having, a, well, a job, because if you haven't got a farm, what do you do? You'd have a sale. You'd have to get rid of all your stock, all your, you could have pedigree animals, and they would all have to go. And you could just imagine a fortnight ago, and nowhere to go, nowhere to live. It, it must have been, it was a very traumatic time, a very problematic time, 
But at the end of the day, the excitement and the adrenaline must have been really something when something happened. When he actually got the okay, you've got certain such a place to go, it must have been amazing. But it's a great tradition to be holding the Hollandide Fair here at Santon and long may it continue. Absolutely, and I hope that we're about to be able to continue it. Great to hear uh, them old stories of people uh, from, from years gone by who know quite a bit about the Hollandide, isn't it? You know, and, a, and a worrying time for the tenants and um, people who worked on the farms, I suppose, back then, wasn't it? That's right. It was also a day to bring the cattle in for winter and, and the sheep in as well, or down to lower ground ready for the, the colder winters but it, it still happens today people do have to vacate their premises for that one day renew the tenancies and then back on again so it still hasn't died out <laughs> a few sheep and cattle heading off the farms before then then to save worry wouldn't it <laughs> this is it it'd be a big worry Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, Holland Tide, uh, not quite as a worrying time in this day and age, Kerry, but it must have been back then, wasn't it? You know, with because a lot of people who were involved in the agriculture world wouldn't know anything else, would they? This is it. It's yeah. not like they can change their career at the drop of a hat, not like nowadays anyway. And the markets weren't maybe as readily available as they are now. But um, it's nice to see things have moved on. There's a little bit more security there for the tenant farmer. Yeah, it wouldn't be happening then, would it? Uh, after a job, where's your CV, is it? <laughs> no, it just wouldn't be happening, would it? No. Um, but, yeah, and, and the, the well done to all the people involved in, in uh, getting their animals out grazing here on the Isle of Man, uh, particularly in the weather conditions we have occasionally. And it's nice to see that... Um, some people have got together uh, to recognise this, Kerry, isn't it? That's it. They've worked really, really hard together and it's taken a long time, a good year or more, to get the data put together with, with Chris Neal there. And it's, it seems to be working, but he thinks that there could be more progression in it yet. Yes, indeed. And Michael Taggart and Bush Garouche, well, we're not playing the edited bits we took out. <laughs> we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We'll see you the same time next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.